Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bulls, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith over at OneFootDown.com on the Espedition Network. And unfortunately, our good friend Jude Seymour is busy tonight. He's going to put that way. Busy. But the chief inspector is definitely here with us, Brennan McElinden. Brennan, there's about to be a streaming masterpiece of a time frame coming right at us. We got the return of Vikings. We got yeah. the, la- the last season of The Last Kingdom and the return of Outlander all within the same like two week span. I've, I've never been so happy. How are you going to reconcile with the fact that you're going to have less Vikings though in your life? Well, well, I, what I, I what I didn't know, I guess it came out in like se- in September or October, uh, but they're they're filming a movie uh, for the Last Kingdom to like really wrap it up. Yeah, that's all. Uh, that's so that's the do the, these days. Yeah, is they do the movie yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, like Downton Abbey, and that was terrible. The movie was so. Uh, so I probably shouldn't use that as a as an example, but. I don't know. I, they, there's too many good Viking stories out there. There'll be there'll be more stuff. But I mean, uh, the Last Kingdom is just. For, if people don't know my views on this, the Last Kingdom is on like ten levels uh, above Vikings. Oh, Vikings it's is not just, even comparable. It's, yeah. yeah, Vikings is just way too artsy. Way too artsy. Too much cinematic. Uh, grandeur, too much, too, just too much nonsense involved there. And Last Kingdom is is much more story driven, much more dialogue driven. Uh, 
it's just, it's it doesn't take battles. it doesn't take an entire episode to like take care of one scene. It's it is a much much better series. I like Vikings a lot, but Last Kingdom, and really it's because you know the author of the books is just so good at what he does. Yeah, so it's easy easy screenplay screenplay adaption. Yeah. And the actors were fan- the actors they chose for last year were fantastic. They all uh, did really well. So yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Like I'm I've been waiting. I've been googling for like the last four months when this thing was going to come out. I didn't think it was going to come out until April. We're getting it on March night. Hallelujah. And that's just in time for the ACC tournament. Oh, you mean the conference that Notre Dame is currently running as the second best team? As the top, they sit alone at the top of the ACC after tonight. After their after their victory over Louisville Drive Time Radio, sweeping Louisville Drive Time Radio, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped. I don't care what they say about the ACC this year. I don't care. I think they're all liars. It's still, it's a tough conference. Right, but I mean. We did, we did in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, see the Duke game though, right? Is that something, is that something they, we all they were, saw? They're victim, victims of circumstance. Victims <laughs> of circumstance. Yeah. Which is too much, too much, too, and too small of a time. And, uh, you know, shit happens. When are the cowards we'll, we'll going to put them in the top 20? Hey, when are the cowards going to put them in the top it, 25? Uh, when was the last time we're sitting in February and the ACC leader was no. not ranked in the top 25? It's never happened. Someone find that out for me. I, you know, this isn't a basketball podcast, and I've, I've been planning on having the, the OFT podcast, the basketball episode part two, which is <laughs> which we are the second time we do nothing but basketball have Pat come on. And uh, we'll do all that, but yeah, we have to get the problem. All right, so before we get like down to business, I think we need to get down to business. Um, I think I got a review, I think, I, somewhere in our pockets here. Just reminded everybody. Get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Whatever review that you leave, we will read on the next OFT podcast. How you become a part of the show, man. That's how you become a part of the vibe, part of the the lore, if you will. Uh, if someone was going to write a series, uh, the last blogger, uh, this is uh, this is how you you know you get involved in that story somehow. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Got one here. And that's definitely Brendan making the noise, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to, uh, I am gonna apologize right now. Uh, my wife kicked me out of the office tonight. She's got some cricket work to do for Valentine's Day uh, for the kids. So I'm out in the living room. I'm out in the or the foyer. Who knows what happens tonight? Maybe Dylan comes down and. And throws a book at me. Who knows what happens? Uh, you might hear a few things. But Bill Bauer makes an appearance. 
he'll probably make several appearances. He's been a, a bit of a bastard lately. Uh, <laughs> mainly just because he's Bo's getting so chubby. He's really loving the winter lifestyle of, of doing nothing and eating everything. Um, all right. First first review here from or the only review tonight from Fighting Irish 42. Excellent excellent pod. Two pressing questions. Five stars, by the way. Five freaking stars. Awesome job as always. It's been a while since I dropped a review. One of your recent topics, Cuba interest. As someone from Houston, we don't worry about shoveling snow. Growing up, I spent a few weeks up in upstate New York for Christmas, so I've had a solid taste of shoveling through. So the question, which is worse, shoveling snow throughout the winter or having to mow your yard in 90 plus degree heat with high humidity every week for six to seven months? Personally, I think I take the snow. Second question, completely unrelated. Uh, how many average size males would it take to subdue a full size gorilla? The men only have themselves, no weapons. My buddies and I have many debates about this over beers. I feel y'all can do the topic justice. Keep up the great work throughout the offseason and go Irish. Who's off the tackle there? Yeah, yeah. Um, let's start off with the, the shoveling part. Um, yeah. I am a shoveler. Um, and I, I did, uh, I ended up subletting out my uh, lawn duties this year, and it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that the lawn is worse. Um, and my rationale for it is uh, hell or high water, you have to do the lawn. You have to mow your lawn. And it's not just mowing the lawn. You also have to get out there and hedge trim. You got to line trim. You got to do all of the bullshit that goes along with it. Um, so mowing the lawn for me is the worst. It, you don't have to always shovel, right? I mean, how many times have we shoveled this year? Five, six times? Ooh, I don't even know if it's that much. Right. So uh, just the volume of uh, of nonsense. I mean, if you, if you got a blowtorch, you don't have to do anything. No, no. And the shoveling only sucks at the end of your driveway when, when the, the plows come through and they kick yes. up all of yeah, the slush. And uh, it freezes the bottom of it and the snow weighs about 150 pounds. Well, the, the last snow we just had come through, what happened was there was a bunch of rain first. Yeah. And so that that all freezes, and then you get a bunch of heavy wet snow, then you get a bunch of powder, you know, and so you get these different sedimentary layers going on, and you know, I know some people go out there like four or five times, like attack keeps they keep attacking their driveway. I think that is a waste of energy, unless you know it's just gonna be like two times. But if you're going to have to go out there more than two times, then you're just wasting energy. Um, right. I agree. With but that. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. It can be. Mowers are not that bad. And I, whether you're pushing along or you're on a riding mower, it is still not that physically exert, exert. The exertion is not there. Shoveling, like the stuff that we just got, that's rough. That that can knock you out. Shovel. Like that, that, you could do a, a 10 by 20 driveway, which is very small, and be whooped. 
because of how heavy that stuff is. And just having to do that a, like four or five times a, a season is a is a pain. I don't know, man. I don't mind heat and humidity. Like, bring it on. I'll take. I'll be out there in my short shorts, pushing the mower, getting getting some rays. Let my Italian, my Sicilian skin come shining through, bronzing. Get that good sweat. I mean, it's, it's all right. I, I, we got a pool, so it's just you know, if it's that bad, just go jump in it afterwards, or yeah. or in the or in the middle of. <clears throat> but I mean, I guess six to seven months of that high heat. Does Houston get that much rain where the grass is still green? I don't think so. Like, like it, we're not talking like the two, like the two mo, like the the April May mows. You know what I mean? You're not talking and, about that. And that's where, and those mows are. It gets to be so bad. It feels like it's like August August mows, where it's basically like you're knocking down like eight blades of grass, right? <laughs> and just making sure your your wheel marks are there because it looks like you're not lazy. You're knocking down weeds. I mean, depending. I mean, maybe maybe you water your lawn. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Texas I, I, is trying to steal water like California, steal Michigan's water like California is. <laughs> maybe they should. <laughs> uh, I, I do know there. I know Arizona at one point tried to steal the water from the Great Lakes as well. Uh, where they were like, well, you have so much water, why, why can't we have some of it? It's like, well, no, this is our water. You chose to live there. You get all the sunshine, uh, <laughs> you know, year round. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't steal, don't steal our stuff. Right, right. So yeah, I don't. I can see. I can. I can give. I can debate either one. I can take a side of either one. Personally, I think I would. Probably move towards the the uh, the mowing action. Now for the second and, question, I'll tell you what. Either either way, either way, I'm stripping clothes off. Because I don't care if it's if it's 10 degrees outside. I'll go out there, full car hearts up. By the time I'm halfway through, the bibs are hanging. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm out there like I'm just on the beach on a sunny sunny July day. Now, did he say the second question? If if so, how many of your buddies would it take? It would it take to take down a gorilla? And did he say if you could get weapons or not? Yeah, no weapons, just, just oh, man power. No amount of men is taking down. Yeah, there is no amount. Of, there's no amount of like, men. Like if you, you can get five, like just just think of the the surface area of a gorilla. Okay, let's say you could get five, six guys on the surface area of a gorilla. And that still ain't nothing for him. He will right. just literally throw what do you eat just at a time across. You can't do it. Gorillas are badass. They just yeah. you can't do it. Like a, like you're, it's a silver a silverback gorilla weighs seventeen almost eighteen hundred pounds, or it can lift and throw eighteen hundred pounds. Um, it would just it would destroy you. And the first person that went up there, it would smash and destroy. And it's not going to get tired before. Like, are you going to keep going after it? Right. What do you? And its bite is absurd, and it's got super strength, 
and you're not picking it up. You're not going to be able to move it. None of your punches are going to do anything. You try punching its face, it's going to bite your hand. Like a person, like multiple people couldn't take out like uh, a chimpanzee. Like chimpanzees maul people in right, all of them. Right. Like there was that that guy um, who in California, he was a fam- he was like a race car driver, and he owned a pet chimp. He and his wife they couldn't have kids, so they had this chimp and they raised it from uh, a baby. And the state ended up taking the chimp from him at one point, and they put it in this preserve. And so he and his wife would go and visit their chimp in this preserve, and the other chimps in the preserve turned on him. And they ended up just like mauling him and eating all of his limbs and his eyes. And like, if you look at the pictures of this guy, I think it's like if you Google like California guy who owned chimp and you can see pictures of him, it's horrific. Like a chimp will fuck you up. And that's not even a quarter of the size of a gorilla. If you try to take a chimp one on one, you're basically turning the chimp into Eddie Lacey and you turned yourself into Maddox A.O. in the 2012 VCS championship game. You're just getting around the fuck up? So a male silverback gorilla weighs 300 to 500 pounds of just pure muscle, just rippling muscle, destructive power. <laughs> and it's got that animal strength where, you know, it doesn't have the inhibitors uh, that, you know, we have. Like, it will it will destroy you. There's Listen, no amount of your friends that can fight a, a gorilla. Now, <clears throat> yeah, I have, I have no idea what the historical records would show. <clears throat> but like in the in the Roman Colosseum, for example, you'd have tigers and lions and other creatures. Not once have I ever heard about a gorilla being in the Colosseum because you can't contain it. No. He would have annihilated legions. One gorilla. A silverback gorilla can bench press 4,000 pounds. It can <laughs> – it is stronger than 20 humans combined. 4,000 pound bench press, a gorilla. Just don't even try it. If you don't have any weapons, like nothing that can pierce it, um, not even anything that can bludgeon it, it's it's over. So the guy, so the guy asked, you know, to answer this, he said, our buddies talk about this or sit around drinking. Only your most drunkest and obnoxious buddy is saying, ah, seven guys can take it. That's the dumb one. That's the one that's going to die before the rest of you, or the one that's oh. going to get you killed. And maybe, maybe let's say you'd have like twenty. He's the one. Fall, he's the one falling on his face. It's like, give me the keys. I'll drive. Right. Hold my beer. I'm going to fight this gorilla, and he just gets <laughs> absolutely eviscerated. <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, fuck it's, it's no. It's you're. That's just that's death. Pure death. You can't run. Can't run from it. Like. Yeah, I mean it's the same thing with like a grizzly bear. Like you couldn't you couldn't mess with a grizzly bear either. None of your punches could do any damage to either. No, but now a grizzly bear though, well, it'd be a weapon. You can't. Like, yeah, I've you can't beat a grizzly bear without a weapon. The, Even with the a moment weapon. I get di- the moment I get diagnosed with a terminal disease, I will start plotting my trip to meet a grizzly bear in the Brad Pitt. Legends of the Fall fashion, just showing up in the wilderness with just me and a Bowie knife, and it's me and the bear. I'm sorry, I'm going to stab the bear. Don't worry, he's going to kill me. Yeah, but I'm going. My tombstone is going to say I went down fighting the a re- fucking grizzly bear. The Reverend, right, with uh, the cap. The, the record will. The record will show that my death was by grizzly bear, 
and not by fucking cancer. That's what's going to happen. I mean, because with that, too, I'll, I'll never forget this anecdotal story my dad told me when he went to visit his buddy up in Alaska, and his buddy had strapped to his chest a Magnum pistol. And my dad's like, you know, they're fly fishing on the river. And he's like, what's with the pistol? And he's like, well, it's in case any grizzly bears show up. And he goes, that thing can take down a grizzly bear? And this is like the dirty, hairy Magnum. He's like, well, no, but it's the loudest gun that I have that if I shoot it in the air, maybe it'll run away. Because if I hit it, all it's going to do is piss it off before it maims me. Piss it off. I just, I think that's like the most BA way you can go. And I, there's many, many people are telling me this. Uh, I, I've got, you talk about those to people, they're like, yeah, you know, that makes sense. Yeah, I just, uh, I'd rather go like that. There's just no way. Yeah, and I think it's a good call to go with Grizzly Bear rather than like some kind of big cat or something that would toy with you before oh, you it, die. It, it, I, I think a Grizzly Bear would yeah, just smash and kill pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take long. It wouldn't take long. Like I said, if you get in there and get a good stab on him too with a knife, you're just gonna, you're gonna make him angry, and so he's just gonna like completely like just break your neck and then eat you, and then you're done. Yeah, kill you a little bit. Quicker. I mean, yeah, and then you just go back to the earth, just in the form of bear poop. So that's all good. Moving on to the wonderful, wacky world of college football. <clears throat> so I had a much different show planned for tonight, but since uh, since it was just the two of us, we're gonna hold off on that. Uh, it, it feels like Brendan. It feels like we've been putting this off that off so long. We're gonna do our <laughs> we're gonna do that right before the season. A recap of things from last season into next season. So, anyways, but uh, there's been a ton of, I mean, it's a ton of wacky shit going on across college football. I mean, when Brendan and I were talking just pre, you know, pre-show about the things we were uh, we wanted to touch on, we didn't even mention Brian Harson. Oh, that's how crazy. That's how crazy everything has been this this, this last week week and a half. It's been nuts. So, Brendan, also, I'll let you decide where you, where do you want to start tonight? Because there, I mean, <clears throat> we got hires, we got guys who aren't officially hired but hired that might not, that may, maybe go to the NFL. We got a a loyalist looking at the NFL, looking at a a former big R. We got rival coaches doing crazy shit. We got. Pat Narduzzi in the mix everywhere. It's it's nuts. Where do you want to start at today? Well, let's start with the big R, because um, I think the, the Narduzzi stuff and the ACC stuff is a little bit juicier, um, for us at least. But let, let's start with Lincoln Riley. Because <laughs> uh, he, was, he was making the rounds, um, you know, earlier this week. Uh, and he said some things. Um, he's pretty butthurt. Uh, He's pretty butthurt about uh, being accused of taking Oklahoma players. He uh, he was no, quoted no, 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 on no 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 Brendan yeah he didn't take Oklahoma players no 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 he had a, here's the quote no, no, no. he goes 
uh, and this was on the, the, the herd. And he said, um, we didn't take players from Oklahoma. We took players from the transfer portal, which, um, you know, <laughs> I that that's actually worse. It, it's like it, saying it, it would be either like Lincoln uh, Riley wanted to throw gas on it by saying that, or he totally thought that that was a legit, like that that was a good soundbite. Like which is it? Because it's one or the other. There is no gray area. No. So let me ask you a question, Josh. Um, let's say I got on my DoorDash app and I ordered you a tour of Italy from Olive Garden. You son of a bitch. And had it delivered to your house. You could enjoy this delicious unsalted pasta and still claim that you didn't eat Olive Garden. You had DoorDash. That's what he's saying, right? Like, no, no, no. I didn't get. I didn't get Olive. Garden, I got DoorDash. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said. No, Lincoln Riley. You and he's still Olive making Garden. those comments in his Oklahoma Air Force Ones too, right? <laughs> They're the best ones he's ever owned. I. So I mean, I guess here's the thing for me. We, I, I think, I think you're with me on this a little bit, Brendan. Not, I don't think you're with me all the way up because I think you're still hurt by the Carroll era, as am I. But given the state of college football and just the way Notre Dame's schedule has become so. I mean, let's just face it. Their schedule has been just—it's bland mostly. There has been a craving for a rise up of an old foe, and SD has just been—it's not that Notre Dame's been beating them. It's been like they've been losing to everybody else too. Like, like it's more fun when you're beating them and they're winning games. They're we're beating them and they're losing other teams. Right. And they're just and there's just no controversy. There's no fun there. Like Helton was just such a a I doofus. Mean, I loved him so much. <laughs> he was just such a doofus that it's like you couldn't even hate the guy and you didn't want him to leave for obvious yeah. reasons. But now here comes like pig face Satan part three, you know what I mean? In a in a sense. Oh, Lincoln Riley has all the pieces to be a villain. Like oh. Capital V. Oh. oh yeah, and I are what are we on? Villains part four, part five. Yeah, something. Yeah, coming four. Come, come, coming at you probably this summer. <clears throat> He'll definitely be a main character because that is he. He, every, he is a oh, oh man, he is out of the mold. Like just the perfect mold. Like what do they say about the Antichrist? Like, he, he like comes out of nowhere, right? Yeah, and rises up. Like, who the fuck knew Lincoln Riley before Stoops decided he was just going to anoint him? You know what I'm saying? Nobody hit. Like, like, like there are Antichrist vibes to Lincoln Riley. And even if he stinks, um, which he could very well stink, um, he's going to bring a certain amount of sizzle, so it'll give the game um, some gravitas uh, just in that it is Lincoln Riley. And I think that He's somebody who's he's had some butthurt comments before. He's making butthurt comments about this Oklahoma thing. Um, 
I, I mean, one thing about the, the run of USC coaches is most of them just sort of like kept their head down and just took it. Like there was nothing really to them. They weren't, there was no bravado or um, blaming the reps or complaining about anything. Kiffy, being, kiffy, kiffy. Kiffy. Yeah. I mean, Kiffy kind of did. Um, but I mean, his tenure was pretty short compared to, what was it? Uh, Two two and a half years. Oh, they only played him twice, right? Ten and eleven. He didn't even get all his air miles. No, they left him on the tarmac. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't get a ton of Kiffin. We didn't get the fun Kiffin. Um, so, oh well, he's the he's cool Kiffin now. Yeah, he's cool Kiffin. He's now. cool Kiffin Daddy. Yeah, he's Joey Freshwater. He's he's embraced the Joey Freshwater life. Um, but I think I think. This sort of douchebaggery from Lincoln Riley is exciting in that this is somebody that I can actively root against and find joy in seeing him lose. Much like, uh, as we can use this to segue to the next person, um, Pat Narduzzi is not a very good head coach, and Notre Dame has owned him at Pitt. But <laughs> even though they've owned Pitt, it's it's very enjoyable to be Pat Narduzzi because of comments that he makes uh, about Notre Dame and then most recently uh, pertaining to Kenny Pickett, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'd say there, there's a couple there's a couple of juicy things at ACC this week. The first one definitely, definitely Pat Narduzzi, and I I had so much joy. I was tripping over myself. Uh, putting that up on the site. And <laughs> basically somebody told Narduzzi that somebody was telling Kenny Pickett that he should transfer to Notre Dame. Not Brian Kelly, not any other coaches, somebody. And that, that right there makes Narduzzi crazy enough to call it the back jam. Right. It, it would be like uh, Jamie Chadwell going on uh, Sirius or something and saying that there were Notre Dame fans <laughs> who were trying to get Grayson McCall to come right. to Notre Dame. And, that, and it was just me. It was just me saying, yeah. I, I want Grayson and McCall. The funny thing is, Pickett, Pickett didn't say a word to him about it. And he's no. like, oh, that's nothing. It's like, number one, he probably wouldn't say anything about it. And number two, it was probably just literally some guy selling him a fucking cheesesteak in Hoboken and being like, hey, maybe you should go quarterback the Irish instead of fucking pit. You know, it's just, it's, it's that, it's that nothingness. But Nardu, the thing, the most special thing is, it wasn't what was said, it's just the fact that it's Narduzzi, who has never been able to keep his mouth shut about Notre Dame, was always complained, who has always you know, been pissy and bitchy about Notre Dame's ACC deal and, you know, kind of all that. Like, he's hell-bent on, like, crapping on them and yet still getting his butt pounded by them. Oh, Notre Dame lives rent-free in his mind. Like, it's, it's, an unhealthy, it's an unhealthy relationship. <laughs> it most certainly is. And I like the fact that Notre Dame just lives rent-free in our dude's mind. Like... What made him even cite Notre Dame? I, I, I got—is it because Kenny Pickett grew up a Notre Dame fan, or 
I mean, that, 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 I, my own personal theory was that, you know, just some – Kenny Pickett grew up a Notre Dame fan. His family was. And so there's people around him that are. And it could have just been anybody, like, half-assed it out there. But Narduzzi has just such a hard-on for this stuff. And just – he's constantly, like – he's, like, he's Dabo Sweeney with not a good team. You know, and then they had some success last year. But he was trying to he – was, he was making, like, a Pat Fitzgerald-esque type point about NIL and transfer portal and tampering. And, you know, basically he's mad that kids can move around. You get a good team and they're coming up. You know, they were wanting to put, well, yeah, that's what happens, bro. Maybe if you uh, won but, more games because you're pit and you have, you know, some historical re- relevance and there's a about, path for pit to be the second direct, best team in the, the ACC, but you're not. How, how about having a direct path to be, to be in the, ACC representative in the playoff this year, if you just would have not sucked, you know, I, they could have done it. But Maybe don't. a couple of games because because you're pit. Maybe don't lose to the team that Central Michigan was able to handily dispatch. Don't do that. Maybe don't lose to maybe don't lose to Western Michigan. That's that's a hot tip for Pat. Maybe Kenny Pickett I mean, wouldn't as far as, consider it if, uh, you know, his I head mean, coach was able to Narduzzi put together. Should, Narduzzi should be living our lifestyle. You know, Bernard and I live by the mantra of don't lose to Western. Yeah. Hey, don't lose to Western. It's not hard. Go. You know, a lot of teams I mean, didn't lose to Western Michigan this year at home. Um, Brian Kelly didn't lose to Toledo. <laughs> he sure didn't. No. He found a way to win. Uh, Pat Narduzzi did yeah. not find a way to win a game against Western against Michigan. Western Michigan. Ball, Ball State didn't find a way to lose to Western <laughs> Michigan. Toledo didn't. Central <laughs> didn't. Eastern didn't. There are a lot of teams that didn't figure out a way to lose to Western Michigan, but Pat Narduzzi's pit team and I, was not one of them. And I don't think any of those teams had a Belitnikov winner or a Heisman candidate. Probably uh, the first quarterback probably drafted. Either. Probably the first quarterback drafted in the NFL draft this year. Either. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Don't give up forty-four <laughs> Just, points to, to Western. Hey, the, what what's probably killing Narduzzi is the is the line of truth. Like if Kenny Pickett would have been at Notre Dame, he probably would have won the Heisman. <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame's probably. Well, I mean, if Kenny Pickett's at Notre Dame, let's be honest, Notre Dame is probably in the playoff. Right, I don't think that that's up for discussion. Uh, I think I think Kenny Pickett and Notre Dame probably beats uh, Cincinnati. Talking about the number one quarterback in the draft, yeah, yeah I, I think so. I I think that's that helps out. <laughs> someone someone told me quarterback play is important. It, mildly so. I would have loved to have seen Kenny Pickett do a fake slide against um, I don't know Stanford or something, but. Uh, it didn't happen because that wasn't a real possibility. Well, and, Pickett, because... and that makes me even more mad because we've talked about it before. Like I have a secret love affair for Kenny Pickett. Like yeah, he talks go, about drinking beer, has, drinking cheap beers after football. Yeah, there's there's Tyler there's Tyler Palco there's Tyler Palco vibes going on there. And for and even though Palco is a villain, how can you hate him? I mean, well, you're you know, just talking about a guy out there that you like, right? Living their I mean, best life. Yeah. Vader. 
Everybody right. loves uh Great. Everybody loves a cat. Yeah, so Kenny Pickett, like the, the the whole lifestyle there, uh, that's just that's a good that's a great thing. It's a great thing. So, but it gets better. Like it's it's it it starts off with this. I'm gonna randomly go on this radio show and and act like I'm like he totally like if you listen to it, he knew exactly what he was gonna say, but pretended like he was just coming off the top of his head. He's yeah. full of shit. He's totally coming after Andy the whole time. <laughs> so then you go from that, and then the ACC has their their uh, winter meetings that started on Wednesday, and Andrea Adelson had some kind of pre-meeting uh, interviews and quotes, and she had a lot of uh, unnamed sources basically uh, going <clears throat> going on. And I, I caught actually a little bit of shit. I mean, it was Facebook, so they probably didn't read the article. Uh, thinking I was going. Same Jack was swindling people, but so <laughs> Narduzzi's in there talking. Basically, what's going on in the ACC is the new commissioner Jim Phillips. He's in charge, and it's and when it comes to college football, college athletics, your commissioner, your school presidents, and your school athletic directors are the ones making decisions. Well, big dick swinging Jim Phillips comes in. And thinks that he wants to get the opinion of mouth breathers, of coaches, as if they have any idea about the business. Now, getting coaches' opinions on things is a good thing, right? You need to know kind of what's going on with the – it's an it's a excellent source to have. But I think these coaches took it more as – more than their voices are being heard. Like now they're having a say in what's going on. And so when Jack Swarbrick presented kind of the, the college football playoff committee's 12-team expansion deal, they, he didn't have a whole lot of answers for them on, on some things, and it pissed them off. Which, okay, I get it. You know, I, we know how Jack can be. We know what details can be left out that uh, can be open for interpretation later. I get it. But they really went all out. I get it. Like, there was an unnamed source saying that <laughs> what, what, Jack tried to swindle us going uh, going for it. That thing got squashed back at ACC Media Day. That is a, I'm sorry if that's unnamed. That's fucking Pat Narduzzi. It's either him or Dave, Dave or Dave Dorn. Yeah. Yeah. It's one, it's one of the two. There's there's no hiding that. Uh, but just Dab, you, I mean, if you just go down the list, I mean, Dabo's not saying Dabo, right? Dabo Dabo's worships not. at the altar of Notre Dame football. Um, and I mean, he thanks Notre Dame for giving him, you know, the games that Notre Dame has given him. Um, and, you know, so Alco's not saying that, right? <laughs> Alco wasn't even there. No, no. No. Matt Brown's not saying that. I mean, you can just go down the list of ACC coaches, and there literally is going to be two coaches that could possibly have made these statements, and it's Narduzzi and it's Doran. None of the other ones have. And who, who happened to be on, like, that leadership squad that Phillips made. Yeah. So so they're, they're – so the ACC coaches are somehow really concerned about academics now, and – worried about this 12-team expansion of the playoffs. And they asked Pat Narduzzi about it, and I'm going to tell you, what, I'm going to read you what, what Pat said. 
It's not about the individual. It's about college football. And that's what the ACC coaches and our commissioner have really just grouped together and said, listen, let's fix some of the crap we had. There's so many issues. And if we just go to 12 teams, they're not going to fix any of the issues. They keep screwing up all the issues. So fix the issues we have, and then we'll talk. What the fuck is that? What are the issues? What issues, Pat? What are the issues? I mean, I have issues. What are the issues? It's mostly that I don't want the regular season to be diminished. And I don't think that you're ga- you're gaining anything uh, from a 12 team playoff. So this is, but this, this is how, issues. how far, and they they actually think that they have leverage now in, in all of this because like you know it just takes the one conference for the blocker, right? They all have right. to agree. Yeah. Right. So so they got leverage now on these things. But what's the le- leverage for what? What are you looking for? And if you're the ACC, like how? You haven't set a non-Clemson team to the playoffs since 2014. Not since the inaugural. And that was Florida State. I mean, go ahead and claim Notre Dame. I dare you, Pat Narduzzi. I dare you. (laughs) I fucking dare you. It's just like if if there is 12 teams, you you got a much better – Pat Narduzzi, you would have been in the playoff this year. Yeah. They would have been. You know, I mean – because it would have been automatic it's, qualifiers are, for conference champion, too. Right. What are you blocking? Like, what do you think you're doing? Like, it's what it really is, is they don't want to get pushed around by the SEC and Jacksonville. The, it, SEC and Notre Dame. And Davos Swinney don't give a shit because all he has to do is get a better quarterback play and they're back in the playoffs and don't care about. And they're still sitting in their easily winnable conference. Maybe Mario Cristobal changes things down in Miami. There is, I think there is room for concern there. Speed and space, Josh Gaddis. Yeah, speed and space. I, there's speed and plenty down there. I think there is room for concern for Miami. I, I, I would yeah, have concern for con- Miami when they can have put together two two seasons back to back of winning more than nine games, winning more than eight games. Let's say. Nowhere, no, at no time in my life would I ever think that these words would come out of my mouth. But oh boy. taking the turnover chain away was one of the best things he could do. Like I'm not that guy that thinks like those things like affect teams in bad ways. But with Miami, it was it was it actually did. <laughs> like it was actually like the dumbest thing. I liked when they the unveiled thing. the new turnover chain and then had they yeah. they busted it out. And then they got a turnover, and then replay overturned it. And they had to put the new turnover chain away again. Back in the box. It's just, yeah, <clears throat> there's real question. But so the ACC in general is just like, it's a total shit show. It's, you, I mean, you've got some new coaches. You, you got Dabo still like lying there in the weeds. Like, well, he's like, got a whole got, staff. Yeah. Well, he's got revenge plotted too. You know, Sweeney. You know, you know what he's plotting for the Dallas yeah. and go through last year. And it's, we're not talking about a team that's depleted, uh, but I mean, they may end up having some issues because of such. You know, they're not used to staff turnover. No, uh, they've so, never had it. And I mean, they're offensive. You know, and again, I still. Huh? Mario Cristobal is the best hire Miami has had since uh, 
policing Larry Coker for a couple of years. You know here's, I mean? here's my question for you about that, though, is what has Mario Cristobal ever done? Like he had a wide open, a wide open. Wide Pac-12. open. You're right. There was oh, you're right. There was nothing in the Pac-12. I mean, USC was a dumpster fire. Uh, Washington was a dumpster fire. There was no second team in the Pac-12. This season, they beat Ohio State. They had everything open for them to go to the playoff. And he just like, you know, like the dude in in – Train spotting just shit the bed, came downstairs and showered all of the residents eating breakfast with his shit. With how they ended that season this year, I mean, my oh, you got a great point. You got didn't do any so, and that's with an unlimited amount of resources. Oregon has unlimited resources. I don't think they have. I mean, Miami certainly can recruit on the area. They have a better footprint, but they don't it's, have the sort of facilities that Oregon has, right? Well, no, they do not have the facilities, but those are coming. And in the new era of NIL, Miami has no problem dipping into their alumni base to pay for things. Like, Nevin Shapiro is, like, busting at the seams. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I just – I – Think he's I, I I believe that he's a good good coach. I think he's a better head coach than what they've had for sure. And Miami is just regardless of of facilities, they have so many things going for them in all the intangibles. And I think it's a place where it can get done quickly. The whole state is down, and, right? Uh, well, we'll see what Billy Napier does at Florida, but I think that. One of the things about the state of Florida is, you know, Florida State is a tire fire. Um, And they'll be looking for a new head coach next year. Uh, Billy Napier, we'll see what it is getting started. But um, Florida can't get out of their own way. Yeah, there's a void in the state of Florida that if somebody wants to take it, there's the potential that he could certainly fill that void and start pulling in some kids. And I think that's where I'm at. Like if, if Florida state or Florida or, or both, you know, one or both, if one of them are like in their, in their level where they should be at firmly in the top 10, top five area, I would have a few more doubts about this, the expediency of the resurgence of the U, but they're not. And you could go in there and, and Schnellenberger it for real. And I, I think they, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I'm just saying for anyone thinking, thinking that this is just, you know, regular old Miami operating regular old Miami, the way they have been for the last decade, I would, I wouldn't be so quick to point that out. Just yet. I mean, we'll see him in what 2024. That's the next time Miami comes on the schedule. Uh, oh no. 2024. No, no, no. 2024, yeah, 2024. Uh, it's a home game too, which is nice. Uh, they played both Miamis, both Miami of Ohio and Miami, Florida. Uh, so they get a, it's a home and home 2024, 2025. So Notre Dame welcomes Miami in 24 and then goes to Miami in 25. So that should be. Yeah, a, a and M in 24 too, don't we? Uh, 
A&M in 24 and 25. They get the, the back and forth. Yeah. So that historic class year three, uh, the best class money can well, buy. Well, half, half that class isn't going to be there. You think they'll transfer? They'll all transfer out? I, I, I just don't see how. Look how many defensive linemen they brought. Yeah. And that, that's like the bulk of their uh, of their ranking. It's like, how many can you bring in? Well, you're going to run a 7-1? Seven, a seven ask, ask Marcus Freeman that about linebackers. Yeah, right. right. He's, he's been playing on running like a 2-5. Yeah, 2-5. <laughs> like, I can run the 2-5-5, two, the two five five, baby. 2 six, or, baby. Two, Let's just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, the position coaches love recruiting their position. Yeah. So anyway, so it, it's... Miami fits in there because you know the ACC. It's it's been a wild world of of action going on in the ACC, uh, revolving around our good friend Pat Narduzzi, the Just, reigning ACC champion it. Pat Narduzzi. No, and hey, Notre Dame gets pit. I think in twenty. Oh, maybe twenty three, twenty three, and twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Pitt comes to town. <clears throat> oh God, that would have been that would have been a good twenty twenty four game. The 2024 schedule gives me heart palpitations. Just having to go to I mean, Texas Texas A&M and just having to go to Purdue, too, and have to play in their, their trash stadium and hear that dumb drum. Because the 24 Purdue game is going to be the revenge of the drum, and they're going to sell that, and it's going to be wildly obnoxious. They're not going to let the leprechaun in. No, they're, they're not going to let the leprechaun in. On, on racial sensitivity grounds. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe. I mean, I really, I really screwed that one up by not. I didn't know they were parking the drum out in the corner. If I'd have known that, I would have, I would have done some things. I definitely would have took some, some selfies and had some good fun with that because that was, God, that was so much, so funny. I never thought Notre Dame could be that petty, would, would, or that they would be that, become that petty. I, when they installed the visitor entrance that was single row, that should have tipped off that Notre Dame was ready to enter uh, in to Team Petty. And yeah, when they were, just, and when they were um, counting uh, the band in terms of the uh, opposing fan base student or taking allotment, I like that a lot too. Didn't help against Georgia though, but and didn't moving the band up by the jumbotron. And play the jumbotron every time the uh, right, yeah. Uh, the band, I, I, nothing gives me more joy than to hear a Notre Dame fan complain about Notre Dame drowning out the other band because they want to hear the other team's band. Like, well, you want to listen to Fight On because uh, you know that that's what I, you can have. And and I thought it was like former band members because they're like, oh, they're disrespecting the band. But when I talk to former band members about this, they fucking love it because of how shitty they're treated in opposing stadiums. But it's like, you know, you know, welcome to their world. So, yeah, I, I just didn't think Notre Dame had it in them to, to start to do all that. If whoever decided that today we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do that, hats off to you. That's the big change. 
Um, oh man, other stuff. George Takis hit the transfer portal. Uh, His return was kind of weird, right? And now well, it was it was it was a little odd when he when he announced he was he was coming back and didn't just immediately enter in the transfer portal. It seemed like a delayed uh, delayed response, right? Well, McNulty still McNulty was still on top. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, I think everyone's pretty much expecting uh, George to to head to BC. Maybe he doesn't, but I think that's the general expectation from from, from people I gather. I, boy, you know, I think if that was the the clear choice, it probably already been made by now. But uh, maybe he's still looking to get wooed and go take a visit there or whatnot. But George is going to leave with his degree. But he was a solid backup. He was a solid backup. They used him like you would a, a backup tight end. And it is what it is. He's going to go somewhere. He's got two years of eligibility. And he can go back down. He can go back down to Florida. He can start in a lot of school. This, this is a talented player. But no, he's not going to, he's not going to all of a sudden become a big part of the passing game with Michael Mayer in the mix. Right. And he could go to BC and they could use him like they used um, Hunter Long. Uh, and they're. Right. Their second leading receiver last year, Trey Barry, he's gone. So there's absolutely a, a window for him if he was to go to Boston College to to snatch that spot from Joey Lucci or whoever, whatever, Lucidi, uh, you know. So, yeah. I, uh, if you're a if you're a top, if you're a top end, if you're the top the tight end on your team, one of your best friends is the top wide receiver on the team, right? Like that's a tandem pair. Like, you know, levels we're you know working the levels of the field they're bringing bc's bringing back zay flowers yeah that kid is pretty damn pretty damn good he's pretty good so good go back to george on that 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 move in itself gets notre dame back down to the 85 and that is counting uh milk and um and salerno on the 85 that gets them back down but it also still has sebo uh, there because Sebo's still there. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, the Jadarian Price was given the number 20 jersey. Which is Sebo's number. As far as I know, just Sebo's number. So, well, what, but, uh, you know, the, do you foresee Notre Dame picking up post spring transfers? Yeah, because I still think. I still think you're going to have, I mean, I still think, I firmly believe Sebo is going to bounce. I mean, just because he's not gone pre-spring doesn't mean he doesn't bounce after spring. And I think he'll go somewhere and to become the man somewhere. Um, maybe he'll go down to Charleston Southern. Right. Is Autry Dutton still there? I mean, I think so. And that's uh, close to where, that's close to where home for him. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing out a name around where he's at. Georgia State, whatever. Because Kane Madden um, was post spring. Right? Still... Oh yeah, but that was in June. So oh, yeah. I mean, there certainly is potentially an impact player out there. Yeah, there, I mean, there's still a lot of potential for players nationwide to jump in that portal after spring ball. Right. Seeing where they're at, it, look, and it's not just seeing where they're at on the roster. Seeing the where the roster's at. <laughs> yeah, seeing where your team's at. Like, is this team gonna help me? 
become the best player I am? Do I, do I really want to spend another year getting my dick, you know, knocked in the dirt and hoping just for a good combine performance? Stuff like that. That was one of the things that the reason Notre Dame got Brandon, Brandon Joseph is like he saw where his defensive coordinator was at. Uh, he saw where his team was at. And he felt that Notre Dame was the place that gave him the best position to improve his draft stock. Uh, right. And so, yeah, if, if you come to spring ball and your team looks like trash and it's like, oh, boy, um, you know, maybe maybe I can go you watch Notre Dame spring ball and see efficiency, <laughs> you know, sort of like Kane Madden did. Um, yeah, it's, it's once again, there were some uh, hand wringing about scholarship numbers, and uh, as is tradition, there never should never be. Should there never, never be. should be. I I stopped doing that about four years ago, three or four years ago, and it was it was when Notre Dame started being more aggressive about their numbers, and I was like, God, how are they going to do it? And it happened, and they just do it. So I just I stopped. Doing it. And now it's easier than ever because guys can bounce easier than ever. Right. Um, and take away the impediment. <clears throat> excuse me. Take away the impediment, and a lot of these guys will will make that easy, that easy choice. It's not so hard anymore. Uh, start right away. I mean, and, you know, like a guy like George, he's got two years of eligibility. And you know that he saw the writing. I mean. The guys that they're bringing in, the ways they're recruiting the linebacker, or the linebacker, the tight end position, and just, yeah, it just made sense for him to to make that that choice when you have those two years. And what was the point of just like being an inline blocker at Notre Dame and maybe right, and three or four targets next year? BC BC is a school that historically uses a, a tight end, yeah, effectively. So I think it's a smart move for George for his potential pro future. Like I said, he's got two years to to prove himself as a as a frontline guy uh, for the league. You know, maybe he gets that done in one year. Maybe it takes two, but now now he has a much better chance than going up against Michael Mayer and then honest to God, Eli Raritan next year. Yeah. Once he gets healthy, because uh, that kid's gonna be a beast. Just if you have it, find it on huddle, find it on the on one foot down. The highlight packages from Eli Raritan's senior season, incredible. Incred- I mean, just he had he looks like a sophomore Tyler Eifert playing high school football. It's just, he's got that body stature, probably taller. And dude, the dude's good. The dude's, he's going to be a good one. And he, I mean, he started off, he was a, you know, a three-star for a while. He's an Iowa kid. So it's not like he was getting hyped right up the, right up the jump. And then just kept showing out. And it's like, every time someone went to go scout this kid, they're like, oh, oh my God, you know, this is, this guy's a real deal. And then the real deal, Holyfields go to uh, to Notre Dame if you're tied up. Yep. Unless you're a real deal Holyfield running back, then you go to Georgia. For Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, 
so let's touch on it. Uh, McCullough. Damon McCullough. Yeah. Still not officially named as Notre Dame's new running backs coach. But he's going to be the guy. And then all of a sudden you wake up and it's like, hey, the Giants. Jude's involved here. The Giants are coming after him. They want to make him one of the highest paid running back coaches in the NFL. I don't know what kind I honestly got. I have no idea what a running back coach makes in the NFL. But I imagine it's more than a, than a running backs coach in college. You would assume so. I think that I think that that's a pretty healthy uh, assumption yeah. to make. So, you know, there, there was a genuine concern, like, shit, you know, we were going to lose the guy we kind of got. Then turn around, come back, he's coming to South Bend, sweet. It, look at this guy's resume. This is a good coach. This is a, <clears throat> an excellent hire. By Notre Dame. Yeah. The, the, and don't even, you don't even have to look at his time in L.A. Just go look at what he did at Indiana, at IU, turning them into a running like powerhouse in the Big Ten. Like, those, I mean, they were good running backs. He turned those guys into great running backs in the, in the Big Ten Conference. Guys that were, you know, just turning out yards. And it's not like I use like out there recruiting like all these stud offensive linemen to help them out. Like this is this guy does a great job. I, forget the, the stuff he did in LA. Just focus on what he did at IU, and this is a great hire. And oh, by the way, he won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2020. Yeah. So this is a this is a big time positional hire from Notre Dame. This is this is actually a little more out of their league than they normally get, to be honest. Right? Because he was going he was going to get a big job somewhere. Cause he it he wasn't going to stay at Indiana. So this was this was the the Marcus Freeman of running back coaches. I think that that's a pretty pretty solid uh, I, I just wish somebody right? would have told his I just wish somebody would have told his children well, that he wasn't going to be at Indiana forever. Dave McCullough, who is, um, you know. Uh, There's three of them. Yeah, Dave McCullough is the 2023 cornerback um, who's committed to Indiana now. Um, was primary recruiter was his dad. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm not certain that Dave McCullough is going to maintain his uh, um, commitment to the University of Indiana. Uh, we'll see if uh, if Dave decides to, to to stick with Indiana now that his dad's uh, you know in, in South Bend now. But um, yeah, I mean he's got very talented kids. He's got a very he comes from a very talented family. Um, just this was a home run hire from the running back position. Uh, there was a lot of ways. Yeah. I think this year it was a Desan McCullough, right? Was the um, right. brother who uh, committed to and is enrolled at Indiana now. Yes. Um, yeah, he is actually there. Dad yeah, left him behind. Dad left him behind. We'll see how long he stays behind there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
every other school does it. Just get them. Just bring them up. Right. Figure out figure out the way. This is the way. Um, well, by the know, I'm pretty sure after his freshman season, he can he can transfer, right? I'm, I don't have Jude's chart, but I think if you only have one year, you can transfer to uh, Notre Dame, right? Are, are, you, are, you, are you telling me you don't have Jude's law? I don't have Jude's law. Um, he is the uh, he is the form. Of, I would I would say with absolute certainty um, that of anyone on Twitter or anyone on the social medias, there is nobody who knows more uh, in this field about who can and can't transfer to the University of Notre Dame than Jude Seymour. I mean, Pete Sampson's out there making a fool of himself, like wondering if guys can transfer in. Jude's jumping the mentions, <laughs> and he's like, "Well, actually, Pete uh, <laughs> can't come." Well, it was, and what's funny too is that Jude's got the line on on these guys too. Oh, well, like, well it just it, it just does not spill the beans, which is fine. We're not. That's not us. But we're, we're sitting in the background waiting and waiting, waiting. That, you know, after Jude has, has got the, the bean spill, you know, it's Jude knows what's going on in the transfer market. Listen to Jude. It's Jude's law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. God, I just, I I have to admit that Jude is right when Jude isn't here. I just realized that. Well, he uh, he's right in this. Uh, he's right there, right? Hey, he started he started some shit tonight. He started some shit tonight with that that fucking cooks in the kitchen. A too many cooks, the greatest video ever posted. Yes, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I I you know we'll we'll, we'll let uh we'll let the uh, the elder McCollin Desan uh season a little bit in Bloomington before he makes his trip over to uh <laughs> South Bloomington's a great college town and you might just say I like it here yeah I mean oh, it yeah. is I in the end of, Bloomington is a is a great place to be um it's just been not great football for 100 years you know, he was recruited there Bill once again. Bill primary, the primary recruiter for uh, Desaad was his his dad. His dad recruited him there. <laughs> so, so you you lived you you were up in uh, up in Michigan. You didn't have the pleasure each each was it Saturday or Sunday mornings? Maybe it was, I think it was Saturday mornings. 
the Bill Mallory show. Uh, I can't remember which channel in Fort Wayne. And maybe it was the Fox or CBS. I can't remember. Football season had the Bill Mallory show and just the big old corduroy hat just oozing brilliance. Willing a couple of bowl games for the Hoosiers and uh, Anthony Thompson, Vaughn Dunbar. Uh, The last thing on Desan McCullen, which I find very, very fun. Um, So he did commit to Indiana, but obviously right on the radar, it was like Indiana, Ohio State, Alabama. Do you know who his primary recruiter in Ohio State was? Al Washington. Washington. So it, it came down to Indiana, Ohio State, and Alabama. And uh, two of the guys that primarily recruited him are now at Notre Dame. And uh, yeah, yeah, so there's that. See you in 2023. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of. Uh, so do we want to touch on the touch and goness of time? Like, Spring football can't get here soon enough oh, yeah. just so we know what staff we're working with. Like, <clears throat> so the rumors of Tommy Rees, not even rumors, the, the reports or, um, or whatever about him being pursued by Miami to be their offensive yeah. coordinator who they yep. obviously hired Josh Gaddis. But also, and I know a lot of people like want to dismiss the Rams thing as just a Orlovsky tweet as I should have, but there was real communication going yeah, on. flirting, yeah. No, real communication going on. So, what the hell? I mean, how how screwed up with that? Like, we were all we're already we're already like in the twilight zone past, like that peak day when everyone, hey, everybody's staying, and now we're seeing everybody, you know, everybody going to places, but. It was still at least Tommy was like the, the biggest key of the of the whole thing. Yeah, keeping Tommy was key. If, could you imagine the meltdown if he would have left for Miami? No, um, because you already you and I both know who they would have hired, and you would have probably needed to <laughs> switch to sweatpants uh, for the next like. You would have exclusively worn sweatpants for the next like two weeks. Uh, Brian Hartline got tapped his Notre Dame up. Um, I'm I'm very glad that Tommy's staying. I'm very glad that these teams are lusting after him because it shows that he's well respected, Uh, not only among you know the Notre Dame fan base, but He's respected at the professional ranks. He's respected. Yeah. Enjoy your program. Um, you want like how many years straight were you know Brent Venables and Tone and you know Elliot over at Clemson being lusted after by other programs? Wooed. They were wooed. being wooed by everyone, and they were constantly <clears throat> being linked to other jobs, and they stuck around, and they were fun like. You cannot measure the amount of success that Clemson was afforded because that they had that staff continuality and that those guys stuck around. 
And not to say that if guys don't stick around, that your program's going to go dumps because Notre Dame lost Mike Elko and then they lost Clark Lee and then they got Marcus Freeman. They've had a pretty good run on defensive coordinators. It's, it's not the end of the world if you lose a guy. But the fact that these these program that they're sought after commodities means that you have a good one, and you should cherish that. And it's a good thing that you have a good one, right? Yeah, I mean. I- recognize it's it's like the it's the guy who cheats on his wife you know what i mean and you really like or not even cheats like you're constantly look you got you got rubber net you're constantly looking around thinking other things are better than what you got and then come to find out you're at a motel six one night and you see your brother-in-law with your wife <laughs> that you know it's it's that kind of that kind of thing realize what you got dog a real Jim Harbaugh, a real Jim Harbaugh scenario, is what you're describing. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. So I, you got a, you got a real, you got a real one, man. We got, you got a real one. It's a good, it's a good man. It's take care of you. Tommy Reese is, is a legit offensive coordinator. Yeah. And if you didn't know that by now, please know that now. Look at what? who was coming after him. Oh, look at this, at the, yes. That is a telltale sign of you're doing something right. It's it, and I, I, I do not, I do not want to have Mike Elson Slater on here, but it's just like the fact is, why did Brian Kelly keep passing over Mike Elston for defensive coordinator? And then you see what happens with him going, you know, he gets passed up by a kid, by freaking Rick Minner's kid. It's just like there's a telltale sign of. What's what is there? What isn't there? Tommy Reese seems to have it, and that's great for all of us involved because he's pretty loyal to his school. He loves Notre Dame, and the thing is, like, if he would have took that Miami job, I I, I, I can't say that I, I can get inside Tommy Reese's head, but there's no way just knowing like the the single bro lifestyle it, it is that he's got going on. His friends, which are former teammates who are playing in the NFL right now or coaching around. Zach Martin, yeah. His his close circle. You think they would have you think they would have blew him a little shit for that? Yeah. Like you can go back and look at some videos of when they showed up at some games and Tommy's coming through the players' walk. Like the genuine excitement of those guys from his his teams they have from Tommy being at Notre Dame taking it. Like, this has been ordained since his sophomore year. You know what I mean? Like we, we knew this was happening. Tommy Reese was not going to be a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I mean, he's got his, and, uh, his bright guard, Chris. You know, or I mean, uh, not Chris. Yeah, Chris Watts on the staff, right? I just, I just, I just think in the back of his mind, at least at some point, he's thinking, "Who am I letting down?" You know, even if it's not even like a, a full series, you're still thinking about, oh, man, I got, I'm going to have to deal with, with fucking McGlinchey calling me. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to deal with, <laughs> I'm going to have to deal with Zach Martin uh, showed up at my door, you know, <laughs> with a bunch of dead ibises. <laughs> so, so, I don't know. It's just be, be happy. He's a he's a young up and comer, and 
you know, we'll, we'll see what happens on the recruiting trail. There's pieces in place right now for this to be a, be a dynamic offense. The backbone of any Notre Dame offense is the offensive line. That seems to be gelling, you know, coming together, uh, at least roster-wise, pretty well. And go get it. Let's see what happens. Uh, other coaching news, uh, Jude, Jude was, uh, I think, one of the first to report, uh, Jesse Schmidt, the new special teams analyst. I think he comes from Purdue. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, uh, look, Notre Dame's got a, got a staff, man. This thing, just the coaching staff, this is a, a, you know, an army of analysts and, and support staff. It, it's one of the biggest in college football. Don't ever doubt that Notre Dame's not investing in the football program because they are, and they continue to do more and more each year. Uh, and so that's encouraging. They, they're doing what they can uh, without being like Lincoln Riley to right. play with, with some games. Um, <clears throat> what else do we want to touch on before we get out here? Did, oh. you, uh, did you see the reports about um... – so right now, a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the smoke is that because Notre Dame still has one glaring vacancy on their coaching staff as defensive coordinator, they've yet to fill it. Um, and a lot of the common wisdom was that Notre Dame was waiting for Al Golden to 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 when Cincinnati season end the Bearcats or not the Bearcats but the Bengals when their season ended they would kick the tires on Al Golden who's the linebackers coach for the Bengals, former Temple head coach and former Miami uh, Hurricanes head coach. Um, reports are that Cincinnati's getting ready to pay them all. And his name was listed yeah. as one of the guys who they're getting ready to pay, like pay money. <laughs> um, if it's not Al Golden, I mean. Did they go after Belt then? Do they go after Balk and bring in the young guy? Uh, does Marcus decide to just do it himself and they hire is a linebackers a- coach? Ooh. That seems like a rough. Like, I, I know there's some people out there that that wouldn't mind Marcus still being the DC. Those people but that's don't, just that's a you, you how, don't understand how, how much. It doesn't, right? Like, <clears throat> I want like Jim Harbaugh coaches like, the offense for Michigan. Like, make no bones about well, like, it. They announced that they have coaches for seasons, oh, guys. Seasons now. For yeah. season coaches, they can work. Maybe, like, maybe. like a Brian Kelly could do it, like at Cincinnati. But Brian Kelly was doing it for a long time before. You know what I mean? Like, Marcus Freeman is this is his first head coaching gig. But Brian Kelly so, was also doing it like the Pop Warner level at Cincinnati, right? Like he wasn't doing it. This is the big boys. Well, I mean, you don't see I you mean, don't see Nick Saban coaching the defense. Uh, you know, he'll 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 have a say in the safeties, but he's not out there coaching the defense for Alabama. He's no, hiring no, guys. I'm just, I, I'm just saying, like, maybe this applies to people just to Kelly and people like Kelly, where regardless of the level. He was used to it coming. He has a system of doing it. You and know what I mean? That's something you touched on with the recruiting, where that's that could have been a foible of Kelly's. Right. Is that when Kelly was calling plays, right. 
that's when the team wasn't at its best, right? It's, it was, was always when thought, he was ceding control. The opposite of what we thought we were getting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, can bring so a it, system and bring in guys that, that adhere to your system, but I don't want you calling the plays of your head coach. I want you head coaching. Can, can Brian Hartline be a DC? <laughs> I, I don't see why he can't. Yeah. He's seen defenses, right? He has to know what a defense does. I mean, he's he's seen his wide receivers run past defenses, so yeah, yeah. just and I would prefer Notre Dame's I mean, offense or defense to not have wide receivers run past them. So maybe he could teach the defense to to Brian, not run Brian past Kelly them. played linebacker in college, and he yeah. became an offensive guy as a coach. That's true. So maybe Brian. So maybe so maybe maybe Brian Hartline as Notre Dame's defensive coordinator makes more sense than you think. I mean, do you think that there's a possibility where they end up just like at Washington, you could be defensive coordinator name only and then hire no, a no. no, no. No. That and that's the thing, like so Golden and Belk were like two of the the top like say take it back like a month month ago. Yeah. The two top names basically. But when it started looking more and more like Golden, there was reasons why it was Al Golden. And many of those reasons were because of his tenure and being a head coach at one point. And all these all these things that these intangibles might not necessarily with, allow doesn't really apply. Doesn't really apply. None of that really applies to Melbourne. So does that so does that mean if, if Golden decides, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with the Bengals? Does that mean that he that they need to go find? They're going to go looking for some more of that mold. I don't know. Maybe Al Golden didn't give a shit about the extension. Maybe he he's like, all right, I'm going to go back to college, be a DC, do that for three years, and give me another head coaching job. It's a good path. I don't know. Like, I, what's like, the track record on Notre Dame defensive <clears throat> coordinators becoming head coaches? Is it good? Pretty good. Have yeah, any, have any, be, like, let's just look at the last three. Have any of the last three become head coaches? Whoever the next defensive coordinator at Notre Dame is, is going to be either Stanford or Northwestern's head coach. I don't disagree with that. The Stanford, Stanford is for sure going to be in the market in the next two years because the wheels have come off David Shaw. And I think that the Northwestern experience the the northwestern experience um is turning sour uh for we're, we're out in the nerds patty fence yeah i'll go at duke i'll go at duke we at vanderbilt freeman at a nerd school at notre dame i mean go fit, go get yourself an academic school and a, and a former notre dame defensive coordinator and that's 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 just a trend right now it's very, very hot. It's so hot right now. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jeff Collins, uh, you know, he, he's got to put up or shut up pretty soon now. Georgia Tech's another place that a Notre Dame future DC could go, right? Yeah. Another, another nerd engineer school, yeah. What is he, 925 at Georgia Tech? So. At, at a school I have consistently said over the last three years is just a sleeping giant because it is. It's in Atlanta. It's just God. It's it's right there. It's 
it just takes the right guy, and there's lots of right guys for that job. Jeff Collins just saying that Paul Johnson ruined that program. I mean, whoever was going to take over after Paul Johnson was due to fail. Like a boring old man is so, not the way that you want to go if you're if you're Georgia Tech. Uh, Marcus Freeman would have slayed at Georgia Tech. Oh, killed it. Can you killed imagine Marcus Freeman at Georgia Tech? It would have been lights out. Oh, that that's see, that's a nightmare. Because that that is a perfect program for Because you can recruit and he would have gotten that place yeah. hype. It would it would have been it would have been bad news bears. Yeah. 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 That, that's the kind of guy that that's definitely the kind of guy Georgia Tech needs to go after. Just they're not gonna get him now. Um I don't know. Maybe maybe Doug Belk's that next guy for Georgia Tech. Go just bring up his name one more time. Um <clears throat> all right, let's I think there was one more thing. We went, oh, uh, draft invites went out. Five yeah. million players got the invite to Indianapolis. No surprises with uh, Kyle Hamilton, Jack Cohn, um, Kyron. MTA, and Kyron Williams. Kevin uh, Austin. I was surprised at Austin. Uh, and I shouldn't be because he's a Notre Dame wide receiver, and that right now that feels automatic. Just because of what's kind of what how they produced at the at the combine. Yeah. But he caught his numbers. He, he went for eight eighty eight. Which it's it's always it's like the the guy that always like I guess there is I, there isn't a player ranking there isn't a player ranking out there that has Austin anywhere near like the top fifty wide receivers in the country. No, and I've and that's I've not to say through, and that's not to say that he is it. I'm a mock draft junkie. I read them all. I read every single mock draft. I love mock drafts so much, um, except for the pro football focused college ones, because most of those are just like nonsense. But like, you know, I go through the seven, uh, you know, the athletic did all their NFL team, seven round drafts. Dan Brugler was very good. Dan Brugler was very good. Um, yeah. NFL.com. Um, I can't find Kevin Austin in any mock draft in a seven round mock draft. And like, just to put some perspective on it, um, is it, it, the guy that I kind of like looked at because I have a buddy that's a big Cincinnati fan and he's pretty excited about Alec Pierce who showed up at the Senior Bowl. Um, Alec Pierce had 884 yards receiving this year, 52 yard, 52 catches, eight touchdowns. He didn't do anything of note his first three seasons at Cincinnati. He might have had a, a grand total of like 50 catches his first couple of years. Um, he had a nice day in South Bend. He uh, had a nice day against Georgia last year and the bowl game. Yeah. But like, which, is, a, which is important to show. And I'm looking at I'm looking at Alex is. Pierce in mock drafts, and the guy's showing up in second and third round. He's got 184 yeah. yards, and I'm seeing him, you know, tallish white guy, uh, you know, 884 yards, which is less than Kevin Austin in more receptions. Uh, there's just there's nothing there's no buzz about Kevin Austin and maybe he can change that with a good combine showing run a good well, party and I think that's that's so important for Austin like this is the this is huge for him and whatever he has to do to show up because maybe it's just because we're we follow Notre Dame so closely but it just feels like a lot of Notre Dame players show up and decide not to do a lot of the yeah, uh, 
Well, I mean, for the most part, their their draft stock is already established. But Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin, and just a couple of other wide receivers, showed up at the at the draft and fucking wild me. They swallowed wild. themselves up a My, full round. Miles I would Boykin, say they're they're uh they're they're combined performance. Boykin was anywhere close. No, yeah. Yeah, Bookins was there, wasn't there. Claypool was getting a, a lot more pre combat. Remember, they were talking about him as a tight end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then, he, then, he, then he ran, and they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, 4440. Okay. So, All right. Yeah, so the combine is ex, is going to be extremely important for Kevin Austin. Um, I mean, he still has that tape, though, where it shows drops. Not creating Plus. separation. So. There's there's definitely some things to work on, but if you're to get himself drafted, he could de- he can go right now from not being on anybody's mock draft. He could go to the combine and do the things that I think that he can do, and end up as like a, a fourth or fifth rounder. It's a real EQ is, St. Brown scenario with Kevin Austin, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Like. Yeah, Kevin Austin probably he's still, he's still yeah. catching catch NFL checks. I mean, he's made two point five million dollars in his NFL career. Yeah, Steve Brown has. So I mean, I know a lot of people are still like, you know, Kevin Austin should, and you know what? Maybe he should have. Maybe he should have transferred somewhere else. But he was ready to go. He has an NFL. He has another name degree in hand. Yeah, he's ready to go make big big boy money, and he believes enough in himself to be good enough to play. Sometimes that's that's all you need to get that spark. I mean, there's a there's a lot of names in the league right now that people didn't give half a chance to. And Cooper the, Cup. <laughs> you know, yeah, big names in the in the league. Uh, people are like, you know, Scott Fat. So you just gotta have that belief in yourself, opportunity. And right now, Kevin Austin is getting uh, a great opportunity going to the combine. Um, just some players that didn't get invited. Uh, Kurt Heinisch, King Mad, and Drew White, Isaiah Pryor. I was, I, I, I'm not surprised that any of them didn't get invited, but I did think Pryor could have been a – maybe somebody wanted him there because he's just so freakishly athletic. Yeah. They're trying to figure out what to do with him. If a team's going to draft Kurt Heinisch, they, they're not going to go based off of anything they see at the combine. They're going to put on his tape. No. And, and the same kind of goes exactly. for Kane Madden. Like if Kane Madden goes uh, goes to the combine and you know puts up. Well, some, Kate, well what what is he gonna do? Is he gonna is he gonna Kate, bench press and wow people more than his tape? He's, I mean, is other he than put in some footlifts. I mean, he just he, he have the, is only going to hurt their stock, a la Orlando Brown, via the combine. <laughs> When he bench yeah, he, pressed like what seven times or whatever it was, where it was God, the and, you, and Tyler Newsom's over there doing thirty-five. Yeah, dude, Tyler Newsom, <laughs> mullet flowing, just like out bench pressing this three hundred and ten-pound tackle. Yeah, Kate yeah. Madden's just—he's uh, at the end of his road as far as like what he can. I'm not—I'm not trashing the kid because he's been trashed up in other things. Just saying his physical. His physical dimensions are yeah. just not in line with what they have out there in the league. Um, hopefully, he catches up. Hey, hey, nothing wrong with going up to the Great White North and playing football again. Nothing wrong. Ask Tavares Daniels how he's doing. 
Cash and checks. Cash and checks, man. Playing ball. Living that. Uh, that He's got a wonderful that, wife and a wonderful family. You get great pay. Socialized medicine. <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, good fishing. It's, it's not a bad. Canada's not a bad option. So, um, Drew White, I have no idea. Drew, Drew White could end up being a linebacker in the NFL for 11 years, or he could be, um, you know, at Shearson or at, at, uh, at Shearson. Uh, he, he could be over on Wall Street in the next two. You know, I mean, who knows? So, and this kind of has me thinking about just the combine in general. Um, and it reminds me a lot of the a lot of the same ways that the uh, the Heisman Trophy does, where the Heisman Trophy is essentially just – I know that non-quarterbacks have won it in recent years, but it's a quarterback – it's a quarterback um, – it's a quarterback award. And just like, you know, what is his name? Um, Poe, the kid out of LSU – or uh, not LSU, but um, some the, – the small Louisiana school. Was it La Tech or whatever it was? Um, where he went to the combine and blew it up with all of his uh, bench pressing and uh, measurables. But for the most part, the combine, isn't the combine mostly just for skill position guys? Wide receivers, running backs, cornerbacks, safeties to, that's well, what's really no, based on. No. Can you think well, of somebody I mean, who's, who's improved their draft stock that's not a wide receiver, cornerback, running back, safety at the combine? Because all of the measurables, I mean, like an offensive lineman, most of that's tape. Right. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Number one, I can't, I can't combat, I can't argue against your point, but I know it to be untrue. Like I cannot pull out specifics right now out of of my butt. Is it the interviews? Is it team interview uh, access? No, I, I, I I think it's. I, I, I mean, I think it's, it gets a lot of things. See, having these guys up close and personal, seeing how they move, seeing how they follow, you know, instructions, you know, seeing the flexibility, seeing how they react to certain things, just seeing the want. I mean, I think there's all sorts of things uh, that go on, especially with uh, the big uglies. And I, I think it moves guys up and down the draft or two, you know, two oh, three rounds. Definitely I mean, if Orlando Brown doesn't show up to the NFL draft, he's probably a first-round pick, right? The 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 tackle out of Oklahoma from like what three mm. two years ago, and he had just yeah, I know what you're saying. <clears throat> I, I'm just trying to think of who outside of the sort of run fast positions has improved draft stock via the, like no quarterback has ever improved draft stock by throwing over brooms in, in, in the draft. <laughs> no, no. Right. I mean, that, like, if you don't the, the best aside, I, I'll agree with you on this for each position in the league, the, the degree of need of the combine is different, is weighted differently. And I think that's where I'll agree with you. Makes sense? Yeah. I, like it's, 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 it's different for each position group, but there's there, there's movers and shakers. It's just like a right guard, you're in the hunt for right guard. You're not going to get him in the second or third round anyways. 
maybe there's a guy who is going to be set, you know, dead on for the seventh round and you pick him up in the third, you know, it's a, that's a huge difference for a guy right. you're going to the seventh round or you're going to the third round. Uh, and just based off of, Oh, we saw this kid, you know, he played at a, let's say he played for Montana state and, you know, we, we got a lot of good film. It's a, you know, it's a FCS school, blah, blah, blah. But now you give up close foot. He's like, he could have played for a, for a power five program. Like we see that now in front of us, not just on tape being up children. And I guess getting invited puts you in front of the teams too, which like out of sight, out of mind, but the combine itself just, it feels like the seven on seven. It's, it's like a seven on seven camp where if you don't play one of the seven on seven positions, you're, and even like linebackers, I guess you could, you could, you know, run a 40. That's, that's wildly impressive, but yeah, there's nothing in the combine for like bone for, for tack, like to tackling, like, like really like Kurt how Heinisch, a guy tackles. Like Kurt Heinisch could be like a six, seven year NFL player, right? He could just, he could just sit in the middle of, a, of, of, uh, you know, four, three defense for the next half decade, decade. And it has no bearing on the, if, the combine. If I'm the, if I'm the Edmonton Eskimos right now, yeah, I am. I am dropping coin on Kirk Heinisch and Game Madden. What if, What if you were an Argonaut? Just say. No, they 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 play in an indoor stadium. Oh, that's true. They, they, they got different. You want softer players? Yeah. Edmonton, yeah, Edmonton's looking for those those ruffians. Something that can grow a beard overnight. South Bend was tough enough. For MTA, I don't know if he could go north of the border. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely needs to, <laughs> to find himself somewhere. Oh, shit. Well, I think we're going to leave it at that. I had some other stuff planned, but I think that was good enough for tonight. Um, you got anything left in the tank you want to get past? No, I'm... Uh... I, I'm just still, like everybody else, just kind of waiting for the, the staff to, to finalize. I mean, it's got to happen soon. When does, when does spring ball start? They haven't announced anything, but we, we kind of expect I don't, the yeah. the, second the, week of the The spring game's on the 20th. Yeah, the blue goal game's on the 23rd. That's, that's all I know. Of, a, of April, right? I think that, and maybe I'm, and it's very possible that I'm completely off base of what's happening with that, but. I I think you know Brian Kelly had a very spread out spring, and I think we're going to be looking more towards a more compact uh, spring training time. So, so we may not be seeing we may not be seeing guys in the field until just what you want to say that is eight yeah eighteen spring practices. Yeah. Um, I twelve I don't, pads, I, I don't twelve know. pads. And they spread it out over a month. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess you could say St. Patty's Day might be a pretty good. Um, well, Notre Dame was spread it out for like a month, for over a month and a half. Yeah, it was like it was like did, mid-March. It was mid-March. They do that something. first practice and then be like a five-day wait. You remember, spring break. I remember that the uh, um, and I always remember it because it was they had one practice before uh, COVID hit. The 2020. 2020, which in COVID hit uh, March 13th, uh, 2020. So um, yeah, they had that 
all of our players were all over the world. Like their Instagrams, these guys were all over the country <laughs> in the world. So maybe maybe in the teens of March, if they if they keep it consistent. But the way that it sounded like Freeman ran his practices in bowl prep is it was more go 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 go. So maybe you're right yeah, that they yeah. condense it down. Yeah, um, yeah, not not losing anything, but putting more into one time frame, like getting getting as much out of them as he can in a shorter time frame. Um, and that helps with concentration, retention, all sorts of things. Yeah. So uh, until then, I mean, we're just going to see guys working out videos, a uh, lot of, uh, yeah. which I'm fine with. Wearing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fine with the, the, with those videos. I, I like seeing Maris Lufau in videos. That's fun, right? Um, the the braziers. The yeah, the braziers that they wear, uh, you know, with the uh, catapult system to track the GPS. Uh, yeah. yeah. At this point, it's 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 watching their name watching their name hockey when they're on TV and uh, basketball. Well, well, we had a COVID cancellation for this this week with Wisconsin. Like, so Notre Dame's uh, they're 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 on the line right now, ranked. Uh, I think they're still currently ranked 12 fairwise. Um, they really need to get some wins out here before they head to the Big Ten tournament. Because um, they really need to be at around ninth. Heading into the Big Ten tournament to help solidify their spot in the NCAA. Well, they just win the day. But they said, I mean, they could do that too. Um, Michigan is currently ranked number one in pairwise. Eh, eh, I don't know about that. I mean, they are, but eh, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then, the, I mean, dude, third day basketball, number one in the ACC right now. Yeah. Don't even worry about that, dude, gloss. You got that out of the way. Yeah. Now you can go to the tournament and beat them. Yeah. I mean, I watch them. I, this I watch is the them. best. This is the best thirteen game start. Thirteen game starting conference for Notre Dame since that fifteen season. I, so I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but like I watch, I watch it, and I'm always coming away just like. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing was a good point. I mean, you know, blowing twenty point leads. Uh, yeah, it, it's just you know. You just gotta wonder at what point. At what point are they completely driven into the ground? The luck ran out, sort of thing. They're, I'm trying to think of a good football comparison for it. Um, well, do, it's do, sort of like do, Wake do, Forest do, football. It's sort of like watching Wake Forest football last in 2021, where it's like Wake Forest football is winning games, and you're like, boy, right, right. it's going to come. <laughs> and when it does. And when it does, and then it did. Uh, uh, but it's fun to watch your team so, win. And, like, yeah, it's, it beats the hell out of the last four years. It absolutely does. It's it's a good feeling. So let's let's have more of it. And Red Panda was electric tonight, mm. or so I am told. So that's that's just a great sign for humanity to have Red Panda back in Purcell. Uh, I know Pat was just you know praising the heavens for her sweet return back uh, back to South Bend to, to do her thing. The the queen of unicycle bowl juggling, just amazing. 
Do um uh, Notre Dame's baseball team um where where are they slotted out? Top fifteen. Top fifteen. Where are they slotted out in the ACC? I mean, the top five ACC team. You know, I think top three. Is it top three? I I'd have to double check. I, nationally, of the, like the six rankings. I mean, Nico's gone, uses, right? Yeah, Nico's gone. He's with the Red Sox yeah. organization. Sure. I think they were fourth to fifteen. There's a, and it's usually it's it's that way with the baseball rankings. And the nice part about the Notre Dame baseball team is the ACC Network will play their games while you won't oh, get yeah. that for oh, hockey. Because yeah. that's my beef with mean, the hockey; you just can't get the games. The nice thing about the Notre Dame baseball season is we got Lynn Jarrett. Right. <laughs> who needs to find a, who needs to who needs to find a haberdasher who can get him a goddamn hat that fits his stupid head because he looks like the great. He likes dude. it that way. He looks like the great kazoo from from the Flintstones with a hat that's enormously too wait, large. For what, hey, hey, wait, 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 hey, let's, But what did the great kazoo have? Magic. Magic. Oh, okay. Magic. Magic. All right, I'll take it. Don't don't take away the magic. No, I can't. I can't wait for uh, uh, for that baseball season to start. Um, definitely taking the the boys up. Hey, just a reminder, everybody, hey, free, absolutely 100% free to attend Notre Dame baseball games uh, uh, this year. That's fun. So, so make sure you get a chance. Go up and root the boys on. It's going to be a while before you get a home game. It's not done. Uh, they, they spend yeah. that first month down south for obvious reasons, but yeah, as they should. Uh, but, hey, you know, we had a, a great run last year. Um, really got screwed in the seedings. Uh, really should have been Mississippi State coming to South Bend instead of us having to go down there, which that, is just oh man, it was a viper pit. The cowbells. That, yeah, yeah, it's uh, I, you, you know, I've I've gone full cowbell, right? Oh no, 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 yeah, it's uh, Hicksville games, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie yeah, bought a couple of uh, cowbells, uh, so my daughter was doing the cheer competition, and. I couldn't get enough of it. Like, give me the cow. Like, that's that's gonna be the cowbell for. You got a prescription when Dylan when when Dylan graduates. You got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. I'm trying to figure out how I can get it into basketball games without getting kicked out. Is what I've been trying to trying to think about. I don't see the difference. It's a sporting event. It's cowbell. Making it making it a lot everywhere. <laughs> they'll, they'll make uh, Josh Holes getting kicked out of a Green Meadows conference game I think every time. <laughs> so, all right, we're gonna leave you at that. Uh, just keep checking back on the site. Uh, things are a little slow. There's, it's, it, it is what it is. Uh, state recruiting is up though, right? Yeah, state's recruiting it up. We wanted to talk about that tonight, but. We'll hold off on that. Maybe we'll talk about that when Jude comes back because he likes talking about uh, uh, numbers and, and, and trends and, and all the, the math stuff. Uh, I hate math. Uh, but check it up on the site right now. Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, I didn't have I – wanted to, I wanted to show what Brian Kelly inherited in the 2010 season and, and contrast that to what Marcus 
Freeman inherited. And this isn't like it as a as the talent, but like where their recruiting directions were across the country. And I had to use 2011. I couldn't find my full 2010 data. So yeah. it's close enough. Uh, but there are some major differences, um, mostly Florida and Ohio. You know, it was, a, it was 17 players. Yeah. yeah, 17 players on the roster in 2011. And right now, as it sits, we have eight uh, from uh, from the both states combined. Uh, four yeah. for Ohio, four for Florida. So big differences there. Um, uh, we're up to, and I think this is a, I've been doing the states of recruiting for a long time since I've been 16 years or whatever. Yes, yeah, since I'm up to 31 states now. I think the most I remember was 28. Now we're up to 31 states represented, uh, and a foreign country in Germany. Uh, and that is that isn't the roster. That's just the scholarship players. So, it, it it's just amazing what Notre Dame. Uh, does really recruiting wise you can you can bitch about it all you want but they have to do what air force and navy does but like on the five millionth level it's 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 wild man um just like yeah it's just all sorts of stuff watching watching pennsylvania's like weird move up and down it's just a matter if they have if they have linebackers and offensive line right if you grab a couple that's that's all you're getting for pennsylvania anymore um you know, I thought when Weiss left Pew Jersey, he took a dip, but it didn't. It actually went up. <laughs> so uh, it just, it's some interesting stuff. It's its pretty basic. I didn't even put a map together this year. Um, but I think Brennan and I are going to have some, we're going to do some fun stuff this offseason. Um, everyone loves a good heat map. Maybe, maybe we'll figure out some, some good heat map uh, action for y'all. That reminds me of a fifth grade map project, you know what I mean? So, anyways, so hopefully June is uh, is well taken care of up there in uh, in Waterton. and for Brendan up there in Ann Arbor, and me here in the great state of Ohio. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Irish. Too many cooks. <laughs>